This is the GGC Life podcast. And the word that came to me, I think in December, if I remember right, the Lord said to me when I was going for Isaiah 60, God spoke to me about God wants us to arise, shine. We've been hearing those words a lot. And every, every single contribution, all the words, every, everyone that's prayed, prophesied, and, and decreed is so um, in sync with what the Holy Spirit's doing. And arise, shine, for the light has come. Everybody, everybody say, has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Please say has. It's important to remember those couple of words. Arise, for the light has come. The glory of the Lord has, past tense, risen upon you. That's good news. We're going to read. If you, if, like, like I've been studying this for literally two months. And so um, obviously I've got so much that God has given me that I'm going to cover the next couple of weeks. But the, the, the thing that you need to pray is, Lord, help me to deliver what I need to say this week because there's so much to say. Um, but sometimes God tests us to see, um, you know, we're looking at our watch. Oh, it's 12 o'clock. I want, to go, I want to go eat. Come on, I'm hungry. Come on, Leo. Come on. Like, How hungry are you really for the Word? How hungry are you for the Word? You know, the world, the world goes to the, the people in the we, the people of the world go out there and we try to drink. And you know, it doesn't matter how thirsty I am. I could be extremely thirsty. And I can go to this glass to try to drink. But I'm not going to get nothing if there's no water in there. People go out into the world. And you try to drink and drink and drink and drink. There's only one true person who has living water. Only one person. And, and you can have the best glass. You can have the best utensils. I don't have an amazing vase. But it could be, it can look good, beautiful, clean. It looks amazing. The outside is all good, but it's got no water. You're not going to get any life out of it. We want to go. We want to go to the one who holds the streams of living water. It's actually rivers of living water flow from a throne and never stops. It never runs dry. It will never run out. I've got some water here, just that you know. Like if I actually am going to get quench my thirst, I'm going to have to get real water. You know. And I, like, and I like soda water. You know, Reinhard Bonnke said, water, no man has had invented, no, no man invented it, but no man can live without it. It's like the gospel. We didn't invent it, but you can't live without the gospel. No man invented water, but you can't live without it. You will die without water. You and I will die without H2O a substance that God puts onto this planet and we survive off it. We have to drink it or else we die. Don't try it, but you won't last more than four or five days. Your body will start to shut down. But water is symbolized as the river of God, the spirit of God. And it flows from the throne continually. So it's, and it's a beautiful picture. There's pictures in the Bible about water and there's pictures of the Bible about fire. And we're going to look into these really quickly. There's so much themes. I've been looking at the word glory because arise, shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. I want to explain what is the glory? What, what is this glory we're talking about? What does glory mean in the Bible? Because everyone's got their own definitions right now. You might think the glory speaks of the, yes, it does speak of the presence of God. The word glory in the Old Testament is this word called kabod. Literally means Weight. The kabod of God, the weightiness of God. So when the presence of God comes, there's a weightiness about Him. And it's the glory of God 
is like kabod of God. But when the Bible refers to the same word, there's many different expressions, many different, I would say, even definitions of the glory. We're going to look into it. So yes, it's the presence, the manifest presence of God. But the Bible gives us reference to when the glory does, when God does something supernatural, He refers it as His glory has done it. And I'll explain what I mean in a moment. But if you turn to a um, Isaiah 59, we won't go through all of it, but in verse 15, 16, 17, 18, it basically says about Jesus coming to this earth, that God looked for a man and couldn't find any, so He brought His right hand and He brought salvation. He held a helmet of salvation on His head, the garments of vengeance upon His clothing. Basically in verse, um, I love that fact, it says in verse 19, so they will fear the name of the Lord from the west, and His glory from the rising of the sun. We fear His glory, reverentially respect and fear. The fear of the Lord is going to come back into the church. And to those, it says, sorry, um, for He will come like a rushing stream. There's the water again, which the wind of the Lord drives. And a, a, a Redeemer will come to Zion. Now He already came. Now this is in Isaiah, so that's 800 years before Jesus' birth. It says, a Redeemer will come to Zion. So this is explaining Jesus coming to this earth and bringing redemption. And to those who turn from transgressions in Jacob, declares the Lord. Turning from your transgressions. There's that word, to turn from the Lord, to repent. Right? And as for me, look what the Lord says. This is my covenant with them. God makes a covenant with His people. This word covenant you'll see throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. New Testament means a new covenant that He's made with His people. Old covenant, new covenant. But God has made a covenant with His people. Yes, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit, which is upon you, and my words, which I have put in your mouth, shall not depart from your mouth, nor from the mouth of your offspring, nor from the mouth of your offspring's offspring, says the Lord from now and forevermore. There's two things that God's going to do. He's going to place His Spirit in you, which He already has, because when you're in the new covenant, and He's going to make sure His Word is in you. I'll place my Spirit on you, and I'll place my Word on you. These two have to work together. It says, upon your offspring, that's my Leon, my Josiah, Ethan, Ezekiel, Evangeline, that's my offspring, are going to be on their word, the word, the Spirit and the Word will be on them, but also on their offspring. So that's El Elias, and that, I just want to, let's bring it home. Think about your life. God wants to impact the whole gener the generations. Not just, just me, but because he, he impacts me, He impacts the next generation. And then impacts Elias' generation, William's generation. And I thought, Lord, if just, just me pouring my life, the life that I live, me pouring into my grandchildren will impact into 2080 up to 3,000. The next generation, twenty. Second generation. I thought, wow, one life because I can impact the next generation because they will shake the next generation. But this is how God thinks. And why, does, why I came here before Isaiah 60? Because Isaiah 60 is my text. But Isaiah 60 doesn't happen without the Spirit of the living God being on you, in you. That's the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And the Word will be in your mouth and not depart out of your mouth. It's the way God does it. And then because of the Spirit's on you, because of the Word's on you, because of redemption took place. Now, we're talking now as if redemption took place because we know it has. Jesus came. Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. 
For behold, darkness will cover the earth. I mean, I don't have to speak about that, do I? Everybody knows that darkness is getting worse out there. Men trying to become women, women trying to become men, the things that are happening, things I want to teach our children, the things I want to teach our children in our public schools. Come on, it's getting dark. There'll be darkness, there'll be crazy stuff. Just, just do full on Satan worship on the Grammys, whatever that was, that show, what was it? The Grammys? Yeah, full on Satan worship, just blatantly. Don't hide anything because darkness is covering the earth. The darkness won't get less, it'll get worse. But because the darkness gets worse, we shine brighter. We're not intimidated by the darkness at all. Now I'm just going to speak from my heart. Okay, you're right with this. We should not, this is how I see these scriptures, we should not be intimidated by the darkness whatsoever because the light shines brighter in darkness. If I had a torch that, with a lot of lights everywhere, you probably wouldn't see. If I turned the lights off, you see that torch will shine up big time. Just a small torch. But in the light of all these lights, it doesn't really show up much. But once it gets darker, that light is brighter. The right shine for the light has come. Behold, darkness will cover the earth and deep darkness to peoples. It's exactly what's happening. This was prophesied 800 years before Jesus came. But the Lord will rise upon you. Now you've got to receive this. The Lord will rise upon you. Who rises upon you? The Lord. The Lord Himself. Relationship. And His glory will appear upon you. Now how is this glory going to appear upon us? Yes, I mean, someone, I think Josiah mentioned about, uh, who's saying, Lucas said something about just Stephen's face shining like an angel. That's the glory of God that was on his face. Those things will happen. I'm telling you, that's going to increase 100%. Signs and wonders, miracles will increase in the, in the body of Christ worldwide. But I, 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 I believe the glory encompasses a lot of things. It's going to encompass um, success in your marriage. It's going to encompass marketplace influence, impacting your marketplace out in the world, praying for the sick out in the streets, praying for the sick in your market, in, in, in work situations, in universities, at schools, you know, seeing the miracle working God, provision, financial provision. It's going to encompass everything. The glory will, be, will appear upon you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Now we haven't got time to go through the whole chapter, but I encourage you as a church to go through this whole chapter and meditate on all of it. Think about it, go through it, read it over and over and over because it talks about that, look at verse 9, lift up your eyes round about and see. They all gather and they come to you. Your sons will come from afar and your daughters will be carried on in your arms. Then you will see and be radiant. The second time it says you will see. There's something about having to see. We will see. You have to spiritually see. Faith sees. You can't walk into what you don't see with your faith. You have to believe it's possible. When you believe it's possible, you can walk in it. But you're seeing it in your spirit. You're seeing it with eyes of faith. Your eyes of your heart see it first. And the way that happens is the, uh, the entrance of your word brings light. Your word is a lamp to my feet. Psalms 119. Your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light to my pathway. So when I get into the word and the word comes into me, it's, it's shining a light in my pathway and I can see better. There's something about seeing, I'm telling you. Something powerful. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Because word is a lamp, a light to your pathway. So when I hear the word, it's going to let me see. I can see more. I can see revelation. 
I can see what God has given me. Now, this is not going to be a, 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 a life-changing message just today. This is a message that's going to help us into lifestyle for the rest of the year. What I'm talking about is something we commit to until we go to heaven, until it's over. Don't look for a quick fix, an instant miracle, an instant bang. Yes, we pray, and I think that's powerful. And it's all these moments, all these moments. I think of all my life put together since I was 19 when I came to Lord. That's a long time ago. All those incidents, all those times, all those encounters, all those um, God gives me revelation, God speaks to me in the Word, and all those times I've prayed, all those times I sought the Lord, those all add up to get a revelation of Him. When I think of our eyes and shine, let the, your light come, we know in the Scriptures, Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 12, please write these Scriptures down, have a look at them yourself. Um, there's lots of stuff I can go through and we'll probably, uh, 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 we'll put it on the app. So if you're, you're on the church app, you get all the notes and then you can go through them thoroughly for yourself. This is how important this word is because it's not something you're just going to deliver uh, 30 minutes, 40 minutes. I got it. You've got to devour it. You've got to get into it. You've got to read it for yourself. You've got to get the med- meditate and get the revelation for yourself. Then spoke Jesus again unto them saying, I am the light of the world. Who's the light of the world? Jesus. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. So Jesus himself said, he's the light. And if you're going to follow him, you're going to have light as well. It's where arise, shine, let the light come. When you've accepted Jesus, that light came onto you. That light came into you because you were spiritually dead. That's darkness. But when you came alive to Christ and got born again, the light of heaven, the spirit of the living God resurrected your dead spirit. Spirit of God comes into you. That's the light of heaven. And now you're walking in the word. You're walking in the spirit. Amen. Amen. There's something about seeing the light and the glory of God. John chapter 12. It's hot up here. John chapter 12. Verse 31. <clears throat> this, is a, this is the danger of having your minds blinded. John 12, verse 31. 31? No, 36, excuse me. 36. While you have the light, Jesus said, believe in the light. Believe in the light. How do you believe in the light? So that you may become sons of light. Your believing, your faith helps you become sons of light. But you can't believe what you don't see. Spiritually, that is. Not physically. But what I see spiritually in Revelation, then I can believe it. It says, These things Jesus spoke, but he went away and hid himself from them. But though he had performed so many signs before them, yet they were not believing in him. He did miracles among them. Who believes if I saw a miracle, I would believe? Do you know if you saw a miracle, you would wonder? It doesn't make you believe. If you saw a miracle, a radical miracle, your mind will still go, oh, maybe he was pretending he was in a wheelchair. Maybe it was fake. A miracle, even genuine miracles, won't necessarily give you faith to believe. The Bible says they did miracles. The apostles did miracles and they wondered, but then they heard the word and believed. So the word helps you believe. It's the revelation of the word that helps you believe. And Jesus is saying, this was to f- the fulfillment 
of the word of Isaiah, the prophet, which he spoke, Lord, who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? This report, he was talking about the gospel. It's really clear in Isaiah. It actually talks about, you know, he who took our transgressions, he bore our sicknesses. And then actually straight after it says, who will believe this report? I mean, there's a lot of people that don't believe it. You're the ones that do believe it, right? For this reason, they could not believe. For Isaiah said again, and this is in the, when you look it up in the Hebrew, it basically says their eyes were blinded and, his, and, and their hearts were hardened so that they would not see with their eyes and perceive with their hearts and be converted and I would heal them. Because they could not see, they were blind. Because they could not see spiritually, they were blind. And because they, they're blind, their hearts were hardened. And that's why they didn't believe. So we're now we're talking about believing that the glory of God has already risen upon you. We're talking about believing that the light is already on you. Don't wait for an encounter. Don't wait. Well, one day it will come on me. No, it's already on you. I'm telling you. When I look at this, I think, well, what, what has happened? Well, I've got to look at Jesus. Jesus already came, defeated Satan on your behalf, stripped Satan of all his authority, became a man, lived as a man, representing mankind, died as a man, died as you, on the cross, paid the penalty for you on behalf to give you the victory he got. He didn't do it for himself. Nothing that Jesus did on the cross did he do it for himself. He did it all for you. He wins the victory, pays the price, sheds the blood, and then goes, the Bible says in Hebrews 9, 10, and 11, chapter 9, chapter 8, chapter 9, and chapter 10. Basically, he goes with his own blood, not the blood of bulls and goats, but with his own blood into the Holy of Holies. The Holy of Holies, I just said, in heaven, the real one, and the blood is on the mercy seat. The blood of the Son of the living God, who was holy and sinless, spotless, but died in our place. That blood cries out mercy for you. That blood says grace upon you. That blood says you're forgiven. That's the blood of the everlasting covenant. Remember I used the word covenant. Because of that covenant, we can have access into the presence of God. Because of the blood of Jesus, I can go and experience the presence of God. Hang on, is it my merit? Oh, I'm not good enough, Leah. You don't know my life. You don't know how I've been living. You don't know I've been messing up. Well, I'm not approaching the Father's presence on my merit in the new covenant. If it was, I wouldn't be able to. I'm the first one that could never, ever qualify to go into the presence of God. But because of the blood of Jesus, and you too, this applies to you, you and I have access to the very presence of God. The Bible says Jesus was the forerunner who went into the Holy of Holies. If He's a forerunner, who did He run before? Forerunner means He ran before others. He went in the Holy of Holies before us so that we could now go in. Now, this is good news. This is extremely good news. We're talking about the God of the universe who created the universe, spoke everything to existence and He has invited us into a relationship. And I can go on and on and on about the gospel. I can go on about that, that we're seated at the right hand of the Father, according to Ephesians. We're already there. When I say, arise, shine, let the light, because the light has risen upon you, for the glory has appeared on you. It's past tense. You can grasp that because of what Jesus did on the cross. The Holy Spirit's already on you. And I, thought, and I think about what's the difference between people like Catherine Kuhlman People like John G. Lake, I don't know if you know some of these great men and women of God. John G. Lake had 
Ebola plague. Oh, everyone was dead. And he's a doctor and he's carrying bodies. He said, stop doing it. Stop going among, among the plague. And he goes, well, get some of that plague and saliva from a dead person. Put it on his hand under the microscope. It died. The glory of God was so in him. He goes, I know the glory is so on me, that thing can't live. And they, and they literally did a scientific test and it died in his hands. Catherine Kuhlman would walk the stage. The moment, moment she walks in, the presence of God would come. Miracles and healings would take place. I can go on and on. Mary Woodworth era. Smith Wigglesworth, who knew the presence of God in such a powerful way. This happened in Wellington. In 1992, when Smith Wigglesworth was ministering in Wellington, New Zealand, he called for a special prayer meeting with a group of 11 leaders. After each of them had prayed, Wigglesworth, Wigglesworth rose to seek the Lord and the presence of God and began to fill, sorry, the presence of God began to fill the room. Soon the glory of God became terrible. The light became too bright, the heat too intense. The other men couldn't take it any longer. Every one of them left the room. Only Wigglesworth could continue in the midst of the Shekinah glory. A man that just knew how to pray. That knew his righteousness. Knew how to get before the Father. Another minister heard what had happened and, and, and determined at the next gathering, no matter how strong the presence of God became, he would stay in to the end. Once again, the scene repeated itself. Wigglesworth began to pray. The holy presence of God filled the room and the glory became unbearable. Everyone left except this one leader. He would not be overcome and driven out by a manifest presence of the Lord. But it was too much. Wigglesworth was caught up in the spirit, radiant with the holy fire. And even the, this determined minister couldn't stand the intensity. Soon enough, he was gone too. It's just presence. It's glory. How does it happen? I, I'm going to show you how simple it is. It's actually not complicated. But I'm going through you know, all the Old Testament encounters of the glory of God. Don't, don't take for granted that we were talking about Moses with the, the fiery bush. The, the, the phenomena was because bushes would, would alight in the desert and, and just, just combust because it's so hot. But this bush would not consume and it was the fire of God. And God spoke to him out of the bush. And he goes, how come that bush isn't consuming? It just, just seems to be burning. And it just stayed. So fire was the presence of God. Do you know when, when God came in the cloud by uh, day and the fire by night, that was God's glory and presence. It was referred to His glory. The cloud by day which protected them from the heat of the sun and was able to guide them. They would follow the cloud. The fire at nighttime protected them from the cold of the desert, but also lit up the way, it says, all these practical purposes I love about the presence of God would lit up, light up the way in the desert because sometimes the fire would move at nighttime. They'd pack up all their tents and they'd have to follow the, the glory, the fiery presence. One time when, when Moses fasted for 40 days and 40 nights and he goes up to Mount Sinai, the Bible says the, the presence of, uh, sorry, the glory of the Lord came down into Mount Sinai for six days. He's up there. I mean, not him, the glory's there. Jesus, or God, sorry, I should say. And then on the sixth day, God, from the glory, calls it to Moses and says, come up. And so Moses has to climb the mountain and go up. The Bible says the children of Israel looked to the mountain. It looked like fire to their eyes. This is in the Bible. I've got all the scriptures I can show to you. I'm not speaking from my head. I'm speaking from the Bible, from the Word of God. They, it looked like fire, but when Moses went in, it looked like a cloud. Isn't that beautiful? 
Moses is walking in holiness, he's walking in purity, he's walking in hunger, he's, he's denying himself, he's going before God himself. And the Bible says of Moses that he spoke to him. Now this is symbolically, but he spoke to him face to face. So look, but, but to the children of Israel, it looked like fire. They were afraid. They go, no, 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 no. It was a consuming fire. God's a consuming fire. Moses, we'd rather you go up there. You tell us what he says. We'll do whatever you tell us. They didn't want to go up. That wasn't God's plan, but that's what the children did to respond, the children of Israel. And, and, and I've looked in the Old Testament. There was a time in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, a whole chapter, uh, there's a time where, again, they kept to the pattern of the Old Testament. They did everything. You know, you know when they, remember when they t- tried to carry the Ark of the Covenant and they tried to carry it on a new cart and the judgment of God came and Uriah died. This, and David found out you're supposed to carry the Ark of the Covenant because Moses said the prescribed way of carrying it was on the priests, the shoulders of the priests. And so in, in 2 Chronicles chapter 5, it tells you all the things they did. They said they went and got the Ark of the Covenant keeping the covenant of the old covenant, bringing it, represents the presence of God. They brought it in on the priests. The priests brought it in the proper way, the pattern, the, the prescribed way means the pattern of how God wants it to come in. And so brought it in and it says the priest um, sanctified themselves according to the old covenant ways that Moses showed them. In other words, they'll keep in the prescribed way. They were doing the pattern and then they sacrifice, as explained, they, the whole chapter, they sacrificed animals, 120,000 sheep. They sacrificed and fed everybody and, and sacrificed to the Lord, sweet-smelling Saviour. And then the, instrument, the, 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 the Levitical priesthood came and worshipped 120 trumpeters at one point, worshipping, glorifying, and made one voice. And then it said the presence of the glory of God, the cloud of glory, came into the tabernacle and they could not stand. It, one, one was a, it would come in the tabernacle in the Old Testament with Moses many times. Every time Moses went to pray, the Bible says Moses uh, went out to, to meet with God and the cloud would come in the tabernacle. And everybody could see the cloud coming in and Moses talking to the Lord. And then they would all fall down at their tents, the door of their tents, because they could see the glory Every time Moses sought the Lord. This time it was in the temple of Solomon and the glory came so much. The Bible says the priest could not stand reason of the glory cloud. Why? Because they kept the pattern. I think it only happened once or twice in the temple like that. The temple in the tabernacle. It wasn't like it happened all the time. But because this time they kept the pattern. They kept God's word. In the new covenant, God's no different. Why is it that we don't reverentially fear God? Because all we've heard for the last number of decades is grace, grace, love, love. He loves you no matter what you do. It's true. He does love you no matter what you do. But at the same time that He loves you, He also is a holy God. He's also a a God of justice and judgments and holiness. His, His foundation of His throne is righteousness and justice. So let's not forget about that. How am I going to fear God? I'll tell you how you fear God. Just believe every word He's ever said. Just believe every word He's ever said. A hundred thousand people every day die and go to hell. I worked that out in a year. That's 36.5 million people. Just believe hell's real. And if you don't know Christ, you're going to hell. No matter how good you are. That already brings the fear of God in the place. And then we, we'd never take Jesus for granted. We'd never ch- take what he'd done for us for granted. 
and will reverentially fear him. Now, Psalms 24, have a look at Psalms 24, please. Psalms 24, I really, I wish I had, I don't know, weeks to teach on this. Um, because it's so, so important for us to grab it. Psalms 24, again, it goes on to say, verse 1, The earth is the Lord's and all it contains, the world and those who dwell in it, everything belongs to him. I hope you just believe that. Everything belongs to God. Satan doesn't own it. Everything's God's. The Bible just told me the earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell in it, all belongs to him. He has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Who may ascend to the hill of the Lord? And who may stand in his holy place? And who? And it says, he who has clean hands and a pure heart, he who has not lifted up his soul to falsehood or to idols and has not sworn deceitfully, he shall receive barak of the Lord. It means the blessing. I mean, that's so weak when I read it in my translation. He shall receive a blessing from the Lord. But he shall receive barak. Sounds better in the Hebrew. Blessing. When the Lord blesses you, it's like a decree that God blesses over you with his words. And righteousness from the God of his salvation. And this is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face. Notice we seeking him. Notice us seeking his face. And then it says this, lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Now I read that. It's not talking, the Bible's not talking to gates. Gates can't open their own hinges. It's not talking to doors, physical doors. That is talking about the gate of your heart. It speaks of an opening. It speaks of two different words. One is a gate, one is a door. And that speaks to us of an opening. You have the freedom to open your heart. So think about that. Open up your hearts. Lift up, uh, lift up your heads. That gives the same word as arise and shine. Because you're not going to be on the ground defeated and, and victimized and I'm a victim and I'm hopeless and, and, and shine with the light of God. There's something about arising. Lift up your head. And, 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 and it says, O gates, and lift, be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. I looked up that word in the Hebrew, that word battle, you can't change it. It literally means a, a, a battle in war. The Lord is the Lord of the battle. And, and, and you read, then it goes, lift up your heads, O ye gates, lift them up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord of hosts. Now that's a word for the armies of the angels, the armies of the Lord. But I mean, it must be the angels. The, the Lord of hosts. He's, he's a Lord of these angel armies. Some translations say that. Think about that. He's the King of glory. Uh, there's something about, I think it's saying, open up your heart, let the King of glory come in and he'll fight your battles. We get so conscious about fighting battles. I've got a battle here, I've got a battle there, I've got a battle there. Your only battle to fight is let him in. And there's a key word of surrender. In the New Testament, the, the pattern, we're talking about the Old Covenant, now we're talking about the New, New Covenant. In the New Testament, the pattern is found in Acts chapter 3. 
Verse 19. You ready for it? It's simple. Acts 3 verse 19. Therefore repent and return so that your sins may be wiped out. Why are they wiped out? Because Jesus died on the cross. Jesus shed his blood. Jesus poured his blood at the mercy seat. In order that the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Isn't that a good word? In order that the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. How does it happen? Repentance. It's a surrender. I surrender to your Lordship. I believe the gospel. I believe your word. I believe what you did for me, Lord. I believe the good news of the kingdom. Because I believe, I bow the knee and I make you Lord. I can't believe and still be in control. I can't believe that I'll still take care of my life. I'll run my life my way. That's not repenting. That's not, the word repent means to turn around. To change your mind. And now I was going that way, but I changed my mind about things. My perspective changes, my mind changes, my heart changes, my value, seems, my value system changes, my priorities changes. Because Jesus, you're my word, my Lord, and I submit to your word. This is revival. Because it won't happen. Revival won't happen if this inner thing doesn't happen. What I'm talking about. In our own world, in our personal world. But you won't repent unless you see how good he is. It's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. When I think about God's goodness, I, when I think of the glory of the Lord, I think, God, you're so beautiful. You're so good. Your glory. And, and, and when I'm drawing near to him, so the, the keys are these. I mean, I just um, wrote them down. We've got to believe the gospel. Then we surrender. Let him be Lord for his word. Because of that, holiness comes in. Reverential fear comes in. True worship takes place. In other words, spend time with the Lord beholding. All this year I'm talking about. Not, okay, I'll do that now. And I do it for a few days and then you stop it. We allow the world to become so busy in our lives because we prioritize the things of the world. You've got to so prioritize the Lord. Say, Lord, no matter what, I can't compromise my time with you. Because I have to behold you. I have to. If I, can't, if I don't behold you, I don't change. So, so spending time with the Lord in the Word, in prayer, in worship, it's just whatever you do to connect. But you've got to connect. You've got to hear His Word. You've got to feed on His Word. You've got to feed on the manna, the fresh manna. So, so we spend time beholding. Because we beholding, I'm telling you, every time I behold Him, I want to repent. I, when, I, when I behold Him, I start to turn. I actually start to say, oh God, I've been so sinful. I've been so selfish. God, I've actually, on times, oh God, I've used you for my benefit. That's idolizing him. But you don't see, the, you don't see your, your, your darkness or your sin until you behold how beautiful he is and how perfect he is, how pure he is. It's not a guilt thing. I don't stay in guilt. So God, thank you for showing me that. Thank you that I can deal with that so I can fix that up so I can become more like you. So don't get, don't, don't get guilty about it. Don't let shame rule you. No way. The devil has no right over our life. He's not our accuser. And then because we are turning from our sin, because we're beholding him, all of a sudden relationship and intimacy takes place. Relationship and intimacy. And because of that happens, revelation happens. And awareness happens. Let's go back to those characters I, I threw out there. John G. Lake, Smith Wigglesworth. 
Catherine Coleman, Mary Woodworth era, Peter with his shadow walking down the streets of Jerusalem and people go, just bring your sick, just get close enough to Peter. And they would bring, and his shadow would touch him. They get healed. The presence of God was on Peter. Now what's the difference between those people and us? There is something, the difference, because it's not happening in our lives to that degree. You know what it is? Simple awareness. Awareness of the glory. They were aware of the glory. Awareness is another word of revelation knowledge of the glory. True? Being, getting a revelation of the glory. Do you know that burning bush, the fire of God's presence up on the mountain of Sinai, and, and, the, and then the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the 120 was the tongues of fire? That's the glory returning to man. Because the fire was the glory. The tongues of fire came back into man. The Bible says, um, when Jesus came, we beheld his glory. The, 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 what does it say? Um, we beheld his glory, the fullness of his glory. We beheld the fullness of his glory, full of grace and truth. Referring to Jesus, that we beheld his glory. When did you behold his glory? When you watched his life. There was a scripture in the Old Testament that God did, um, you know when he did the manna? You know when he rained the manna, they were complaining for food, we need food in the wilderness. And so God, Moses cries out to God, God says, okay, tell the people to wake up in the morning and they will see the glory of the Lord. That's exactly what it says. They will wake up in the morning and look out and they will see the glory of the Lord. And guess what he's referring to? The manna. The manna was a manifestation of the glory because it's a supernatural provision. It was supernatural. So now it's referred to as the glory of God. When Jesus does His first miracle, turning water into wine at a wedding, that's a phenomenal miracle when you think about it. You know, what? remember what happened? Mary, the mother of Mary was there. Jesus and all His disciples were there. And in those days, they would party for a few days, apparently, over the weddings. But at one point, they ran out of wine. And Mary comes to Jesus. And says, Jesus, they run out of wine. And Jesus says, what's that to me? It's not my time. It's not my time. I'm not going to do a miracle. I'm not going to perform. He's never done a miracle before, as far as we know. The Scriptures don't know. It was His first sign that He's done, the Bible says. We know that. But Mary knew that Jesus, no matter what He tells you to do, if He tells you to do it, just do it. So Mary releases faith in her son, Jesus, because she called on Him and said, we're in trouble. We've run out of wine. Now, to me, that is... Excuse me for this. This is how I see it. Running out of wine is not a desperate need. It's like, okay, you run out of wine. Oh, well, you're finished drinking. You can't drink anymore. It's like, it's not, a, it's not like a someone's sick that's dying. Someone's sick that needs healing. It's not a blind person. You know, I mean, it's, not, it's not a desperate need. It's like, okay, you ran out of wine. It's almost like a luxury miracle. So why? You know, like, it's okay. Let them do without. It's fine. They drank all the wine. They should have spread it out a bit. You know, all these reasons you can think about it. Drink the wine slower and make sure there's enough to last. Oh, well, you made a mistake. But Jesus turns water into wine. And six pots of 20 to 30 gallons of water, six of them, that works out to be about 80, how much was it? Um, 800 bottles of wine. And this wine was way better than the one they took. Better wine was left to last, we're talking about he oversupplied. 
over abundantly supplied. That wedding party was never going to drink 800 bottles of wine. Not that at the end of the party, at the end of a wedding party. But Jesus provided it. It blows my mind about Jesus. Any religious spirit you've got, he has to go. You can't think of Jesus being religious because he turned water into wine. It was a good wine. 800. So he didn't, it's almost like you didn't have to do it, but you did it. And you did it supernaturally more than enough they ever needed. And then right at the, at the end of that story, it says, thus Jesus revealed his glory. So a supernatural miracle, a supernatural provision, supernatural finances, anytime God is involved in your life in a supernatural way, that's revealing the glory of God. I can, you know, this, this manifestation of this building is the glory of God. Because we wouldn't be here without God. I look around, you know, Isaiah 6, Isaiah 6, Isaiah is taken up into the very glory of God, the throne of God's glory. And the train of His glory filled the temple and smoke filled the temple. Now I'm saying this because I want to I create an appetite and a hunger. I get hungry when I say, God, Moses, I say this to God, God, God Moses, oh covenant, face to face saw your glory. Elijah, Isaiah was taken up to the throne. Oh, covenant. Daniel saw the glory. Ezekiel saw the glory. The wheel within the wheel. He was taken up to heaven. Daniel saw the throne and all the judgments. I'm saying, God, this is old covenant. We're in new covenant. You know, there's a whole chapter that says, that's, that's the letter that kills and that's old covenant that passes away and that's, that's dying as passed away is filled with glory. How much more? That which gives life. Talking about the new covenant. We've got something way more than what old covenant's got. I believe the Bible. So God, we've got something more. Now I'm not, I'm, not I'm not necessarily looking for a manifestation of smoke and glory and that. I don't need that. I just talking about the glory is in me. Jesus. I, I've got lots of scriptures. Next week I'll go into them about. Paul says, what is this mystery that was hidden from ages that God has revealed to the saints? It is Christ in us, the hope, earnest expectation of glory. If God who shined the light out of darkness, which He spoke light into the darkness, and He shined in your hearts to give you the the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. We already got the glory inside of us. You just got to be aware of it. You just got to realize you've got it. And I've got to say, God, I receive. I walk in your glory. I worship you. When I worship him, I experience his glory, his weightiness, his heaviness. I drink from his love. I drink from his power. I drink deep. I don't go to empty glass. I drink real, real water. But if you're not hungry, it won't happen. But you can't be hungry unless you see it. Unless you believe it. But you can't believe it unless you see it spiritually. Does it make sense? You have to see it. If you say, Lord, I want what you're... If you're saying, Leah, I want what you're saying. I want what you're talking about. Then you've got to get into the Word. You've got to get into prayer. You've got to get into the things of God. Shut the world down. You've got to ask yourself, what's in the way of my relationship with you, Lord? Holy Spirit, what is it? What am I allowing myself to get into that's polluting the waters? 
that's distracting me, that's the, the desires of the flesh alluring me away, then my spirit is crying out for you. The fact that you feel bad about doing bad things, sin, addictive sins, shows your Holy Spirit's telling you, don't go there. The Holy Spirit is in you and empowers you to say no. You just got to believe it. If you don't believe it, then the power won't be there. Those angels, you know those angels that had six wings, they flew around the throne over and over and continually day and night. The Bible says day and night. They had wings full of eyes. This, I've never seen anyone draw this really well. I've looked it up. People have tried, but I just think, I think first of all, I think they're magnificent. I think they're magnificently large. I just do believe they're massive. In my mind, I used to see them as little you know, angels, you know, eight foot four. No, they're just, they're just so large, full of wings, full of eyes. Their whole body was full of eyes, whole body behind their wings, in front of their wings, full of eyes. And they would fly around the Father, the Father's throne and say, holy, holy, holy to each other. The whole, and this is what they say. And what they say is true. The whole earth is filled with the glory of God. They made that statement 800 years ago. That means the whole earth is filled with the glory of God. You know, when someone gets born again, they go, I just see the whole world differently. Everything, the flowers, the trees, the skies, the sun. It's like, wow, that's what I'm talking about. It's like your eyes turn up and you go, everything I'm looking at is the glory of God. The trees, the, the creation, the stars. The Psalm says, the stars and all of the heavens and all their um, starry hosts declare the glory of God. And there's no language that cannot be heard. No language that cannot understand that. No matter what nation you're from, you can look into the sky and go, that's the glory of God. A human being is the glory of God. Yes, we're fallen. It's still the glory of God that a cell can have all that information. A sperm cell and an egg put together can have all the information, DNA information to become all the body parts. That's the glory of God. We take for granted everything He's ever created is the glory of God. The sun, the moon, the oceans, the waterfalls, the mountains, a snowflake, none alike. Do you believe the whole earth is filled with the glory of God? There's another scripture that says the whole earth, that God will it's more into the future that the knowledge of the glory of God will fill the earth. It will happen. Because every single believer, when the new Jerusalem comes to the earth and Jesus comes with the city of God and there is no need of the sun because Jesus lights the city up with His face. The Lamb is the light of that city. So when I believe that the whole earth is full of the glory, I believe right now the glory is here. I believe the glory is in me. Then I yield, I surrender. I want more of Him. I want more of Him. He becomes, I, I, I get infatuated with Him. I, I, I say, God, I actually want You more than anything in this world. I want You more than, more than anything this world can give me. This world can't give me, can't even compare to Your goodness. Father, we pray that that revelation of You will be given to us, that we would have our eyes open to Your beauty. 
when the scripture says we worship you in the beauty of your holiness the word holy isn't an, an ugly word for us Lord it's set apart you're set apart you're set apart you're set apart there's none like you there's none like you there's none like you you're holy you're holy you're holy open up our eyes to see your beauty open up our eyes what would it be like if Jesus walked into your room full of eyes aflamed with love, shining brighter than the sun with all His majesty and goodness and glory and splendor? How would you react? I would fall on my face and weep and cry and say, thank you, thank you, thank you and praise Him. But I think he would pick me up and say, Leo, look into my eyes and give me a hug. Father, let us long for Jesus like never before. Let us fall in love with your son like never before. Let us actually believe the light has already come. We don't have to do anything to struggle for. We don't have to do anything to earn it. But as we behold, we become. There's the key. You behold, you absorb, and then you reflect. But there is a digesting of the Word. There's a digesting of the revelation and you become it. You do it. You live it. You practice it. Once you live it, you can get more. It's simple, isn't it? It's not a complicated thing. But when you see the glory, see Him, and you see a revelation of Him, even in the Word, then you do that Word. You practice that Word. You become that Word because you're living up to it. You're honouring Him because you're honouring and reverencing Him. He gives you more of Himself. He shares His secrets to those that love Him, to those that fear Him. Amen. So Father, let it sweep our hearts all year round. Let it sweep our hearts all year round. Next year, the year after, until you come back, let it sweep our hearts. We pray, let it sweep our hearts. We pray for personal close encounters of the God kind for every one of us. We pray in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the GGC Life Podcast. We hope you feel encouraged. Be blessed.